0: everyone and welcome back to our podcast, Menopause, The Good, The Bad and The Downright Sweaty. I'm Diane Danzibrink, and I am, as ever, here with my lovely co-host Sophie Claus. Hey Soph! Hello! Hi everyone! So today we're going to talk
1: about menopause and what is it. We thought we'd go back to basics, um, especially if you're starting out on your journey um, and just wanting to know more about um, why it happens, when it happens, and how it's diagnosed. Diane will be doing the most of this because she is the expert <laughs> and I am
0: not. So Diane, but, but fast becoming an expert. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> Diane, So what is menopause? So menopause is that time in our life when our store of eggs in our ovaries is essentially running out. And because of that, that then affects the hormone levels in our body. Um, So for most people, um, for most women, that sort of menopause, that time that they stop, finally stop having periods, um, that comes at around the age of 51. Um, But it can happen earlier and it can happen later so very much depends on the individual is it true that the age of menopause tends to run in families it certainly can Mm -hmm. yeah so if you have had perhaps a grandmother and a mother um, who have had a very early menopause as tends to be the case with you know kind of in some cases then certainly it's it's worth you having that information mm-hmm. because if that does then turn out to be your experience um, it's not going to be so shocking so yeah there is certainly um, there's certainly certainly anecdotally mm-hmm. we know that that can happen yeah
1: so it's good to have the awareness absolutely of when it's
0: occurred. yeah absolutely so why does it happen so why does it happen <laughs> so if we so if the Oh, hello, dog in the background. So if we're running out of eggs and the hormone levels are changing, the hormones that are changing are estrogen, progesterone and testosterone.
1: Which women don't often realise they have testosterone, do they? No, they don't. I didn't,
0: I had no clue. No, we still think of testosterone very much as a male hormone, Mm -hmm. um, but actually women produce testosterone too. Um, So what's happening is those hormone levels are changing and... They sometimes they're literally going up and down on a daily basis, but eventually to a point where they're depleting. Um, estrogen is responsible for an awful lot of bodily functions. Mm-hmm. It's it's responsible for an awful lot of it. Propping up in the body, it does a lot of jobs. So, what body bodily functions is it responsible um, for? So, it acts as a lubricant in the body. Mm-hmm. Um, So does things like helps to lubricate our eyes, our mouths, our guts, our joints, our pelvic area. Mm -hmm. So our pelvic area is highly dependent on estrogen um, for its health. So for some women, that will mean that they start to experience vaginal symptoms. Mm -hmm. Um, For some women, that's increased urinary symptoms. For some people... If it's their joints, it's aches and pains. You know that, um, you're probably, you're much younger than me, I'm but so when you rickety. get off the sofa <laughs> and you go, oof. And your whole body <laughs> just creeps. Yes, absolutely. So that kind of thing. Um, but some of the others, you know, kind of the dry eyes, dry mouth, etc. People probably wouldn't even, they no. wouldn't think that that was related to hormones and menopause. Um, so estrogen, it also helps to protect our long-term bone health. And our long-term heart health. And we're actually learning more about how it supports our brain health. Mm -hmm. Um, So there are literally, you know, if you Google menopause symptoms, and dear listeners, we urge you not to. (laughs) (laughs) Because you'll come up with anything from lists of kind of 30 to 60. Wow. But the thing is, we've got estrogen receptors literally all the way throughout the body. Um, so consequently, when the estrogen levels start to, you know, sort of in some cases, rise and fall quite severely, that will that will give that particular woman, um, probably she'll be at the kind of severe end of the symptoms. And that's why
1: some women would have days where they feel absolutely brilliant and then the next day not be able to get out of bed oh, because ass- their levels have just changed really suddenly.
0: Yes, spot on. And of course, we know that... Probably, you know, a quarter of women will have very few symptoms. Some women say they have none. Oh,
1: um
0: but I'm so jealous. <laughs> I think but I think the important thing about those women who say they have none and fantastic for them mm. if basically all they experience is the cessation of periods, because essentially that's what the word menopause means. Yeah. Um, if that's what they experience and that's fantastic for them, the problem that I think the, you know, the fact that we don't talk about it and we don't educate is that actually if you think about what I said about the way that estrogen supports all those bodily functions, your bone health, your heart health, your brain health. We also know that actually in later years, women become much more susceptible to bone fracture and, you know, there's got to be a connection there between the increased risk of brain fracture in a woman which is one in two over 50 compared to men which is one in five um we also know that heart disease in women increases particularly over the age of 60. so you might have gone through with no symptoms but i think it's important that women know how they can protect their long-term health and how estrogen plays a role absolutely plays a huge role and you know i think the other thing is, we don't, as you say, a lot of us don't even know we've got testosterone. <laughs> I have no, literally um, I have no idea, but we do, and it's not just about libido. So we always think of testosterone <laughs> as being related to libido, um, but actually, it does other things too. So Your it, energy, it, isn't it? It also, absolutely, mm. it also has a part to play in our bone health. Um, it also has a part to play in our cognitive function, how we feel about ourselves, our self-confidence. Um, so it's a really complex picture. So when you look at those lists of 30, 40, 50, 60 different symptoms, bear in mind don't that <laughs> each woman, no, don't do it. Bear in mind that each woman will have her own experience and you know, will have a handful, but they'll be different from the next woman. Mm-hmm. Um, so they might not recognise that they're related to menopause. Because no two women
1: are the same. And if you're amongst friends talking about it, mm. there's ten of you in a room. Mm. The likelihood is you're all experiencing completely different symptoms. Some the same, but a lot of them could be
0: completely different. And yeah. you might not immediately link it. Yeah, to- and also I think if your first symptom is brain fog... or Probably think th- you've got Alzheimer's. Yeah, or yeah. your first symptom is lack of concentration... Um, you might not necessarily think you know kind of that could be related to menopause Mm. and I think for a lot of women particularly in the perimenopausal stage so menopause breaks down into three stages Mm -hmm. so you've got perimenopause which is your first symptom up until the time when you've had 12 months and one day without a period so on average that lasts between four and eight years Wow! I know I mean and I think it's a lot longer than I yeah absolutely Mm -hmm. Um, and then you've got menopause. So clinically, menopause is one day. So, <laughs> <laughs> so if it's- only symptoms lasted <laughs> for one day. <laughs> so be amazing. it's that one day after 12 months without a period. That's clinically defined as menopause. And everything after that is post-menopause. Post- but again, I think there's a few myths that we need to bust is that, post-menopause is no symptoms and for some women that will be true Mm -hmm. but for quite a lot of women they will continue to be symptomatic so i think you know sort of who does it happen to when does it happen to um it can be very very varied and how is it diagnosed Ah, well, <laughs> that's, <laughs> a a bit, question. <laughs> that's a bit of a bone of contention because, so we have NICE guidelines, which appeared in November 2015, and the NICE guidelines clearly state to healthcare professionals that there is no point in doing a blood test for hormone levels on a woman over 45, because the majority of those women are going to be perimenopausal. And their levels will fluctuate too much. And we said about them going up and down on a daily basis. So if you do a blood test on one day, you're literally capturing a moment in time. Mm-hmm. If you did it even 12 hours later, it might look completely different. So really, diagnosis for women of 45 and over should be done on symptom, symptoms, essentially. It should be a conversation between the healthcare professional and the woman as to what her symptoms are so it's always good to sort of talk about what your periods might be doing whether you're having you know sort of the physical symptoms the psychological symptoms always worth taking a list with you Mm -hmm. if you're under 45 certainly worth considering bloods if you're under 40 absolutely must have bloods um Because just to define if it is hormones that's causing the symptoms, because obviously symptoms can cause other things, can be the sign of other things. I think that's probably a whole other podcast. But um, so you and I have talked before about POI, Mm -hmm. premature ovarian insufficiency. So that's where the ovaries stop working for one reason or another. Um, there isn't always a defined reason um, in women under 40 Um, and so for those women whether they're in their teens their 20s their 30s um, for those women they have to have two blood tests six weeks apart to diagnose them with poi but in the the vast majority over 45 um no blood test it should be done on symptoms so when a woman goes
1: to the doctor Mm. um to have a conversation about how she's feeling Mm. we often have heard of women just being given antidepressants what would you say that a woman should take you've said a list of symptoms that she's experiencing is there anything else they should take take with them to the appointment
0: yeah so we've seen a lot haven't we this week in the in the press and over the last few weeks um, about antidepressants and people struggling to come off of them, etc. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think you know, I think it's I think it's a really difficult one. I always try to I always try to see this from everybody's perspective. Um, you know, I think I think GPs are in a tough situation because, and I absolutely don't blame GPs mm-hmm. for not having this information because. You only know what you know, and if nobody teaches you what you should know, do you see what I mean? And they're also under so much
1: pressure that they may not have the time to go. Absolutely, and And that's
0: why it should absolutely be mandatory as part of every healthcare professional's training. And they should be allowed the time to go away and complete the training, absolutely. And you know, it's not that hard. This is, you know. No disrespect, but this is not rocket science. No. Seriously. And the benefit then in turn to the practice
1: and to the NHS overall budget will be huge yeah. because they won't have women going to, did you say between five and eight appointments? Between about five budget?
0: and eight appointments, yeah. You know, be investigating
1: diagnosed. cardiac issues and bone issues when actually it could all just be down. To menopause, That yeah. should be their first port of call if women Absolutely. are presenting with symptoms.
0: Absolutely. And if we want our GPs to be able to recognise these menopause symptoms, it's up to those that create the curriculum for their training to include menopause in it. So yeah. for me, the issue and you know kind of the fault lies with the curriculum and the fact that it's not in there it's not with the individual gp um and you know we all know that they are under a huge amount of pressure Mm -hmm. you know i've heard today about gp practices closing you know which is terrible um I personally know of several GPs who have gone part-time because yes. of the stress they just can't cope with the, and stress. the impact on their well-being absolutely mm. um, so I think you know sort of if you want somebody to do a job well you have to give them the knowledge and the tools to be able to do that mm. and currently our GP training does not address that um, But if you're going to your GP, to be able to help them to help you as much as possible, I think first thing you could do is you could download a symptom checker. So there's one on the menopause support website. I know um, Dr. Louise Newson has one on her menopause doctor website. Mm -hmm. Um, I'm sure there are others. Um, so that's the first thing I would do I would download a symptom checker I would get as much factual evidence-based information as you can I would have a flick through the nice guidelines Um, highlight the sections that are relevant yeah I mean it always sounds really scary to read through a whole raft of guidelines actually it's only about 40 pages Mm -hmm. it's about an hour's read all of it part of it's just for patients
1: I, I when I went along, I took a copy for my uh, surgery. Did you? I did. Yeah for you! I'm so pleased. I didn't pleased. want to be seen as patronising. No. But I actually thought, well, I've read through this, mm. and this is what I I want them to see. Yeah. So I left a copy with them.
0: Brilliant. That's f- how was it received? Out of interest.
1: Really well. Mm. Because one of the books that my um, GP had been looking at was from 1997. Ah. Yeah. So I, th- I think it it was well received. Okay, and
0: that's that's a big issue because. Things have moved on. I mean, menopause hasn't changed. But menopause treatment has
1: and, all the ch- and management
0: absolutely has changed massively. Mm. So I would say your symptom checker, definitely. Nice guidelines, definitely. A list. Take a list of your symptoms. If you've got enough time or you can remember or you've used an online tracker or you put it on your calendar take your cycles along with you what's been going on with your cycles whether they've been heavier lighter shorter more intermittent etc always good and the other thing that i would say is you know if you're if you're feeling nervous about the appointment you know take a buddy take an appointment buddy take either your partner your best friend your mum, your whoever somebody that you trust another pair of ears yeah that's just kind of there to sort of back you up mm-hmm. i would say you know kind of all those things are useful
1: you can find a lot of um, information on the british menopause society page can't you they've got downloadable mm. sheets that talk yeah. about <laughs> oh, <sorry>. oh, <laughs> dogs barking that was kevin the dog <laughs> <laughs> kevin's jumping to in say hello. he needs to be part of this so um, you can download sheets from the um, British Menopause Society and also, um, as
0: Diane said, on menopause uk. Yeah, um, menop- um, on the British Menopause Society, there's a patient arm of it called Women's Health Concern, mm-hmm. um, which they've kind of written stuff for us as patients. It's fact sheets, isn't it? Yeah, which is really useful. Yeah. Um, um, they've also got a really
1: good one about HRT and risks with yes. all the statistics on the MWHC. Yeah. And if you do go armed with all this information, it just shows that you've done your homework and that you're ready to be taken seriously and that you want to make an informed choice and have an open discussion about kind of what's available to you.
0: Yeah, and I think if you know that you're 47 and you're having symptoms and you don't need a blood test, I think if your doctor says, oh, well, we'll run a blood test, you can have the conversation, oh, well, I didn't think that... You know, I didn't think they were appropriate, and I think you know we also have to think about the cost of all this. You know, approximately ten, just under ten million pounds is wasted every year in the UK on running blood tests for women over forty-five. Jeez, which is un- completely unnecessary. Well, that if ten million pounds could go results. into treatment or diagnoses elsewhere, couldn't it? Mm. So you know, I again, I think. You know, that you could and... go into menopause training. Yes, <laughs> but you know, you and I talk about this all the time. You know, common sense approach. I think that's exactly what it is. That's an easy way to to save ten million pounds. I think you definitely have to self advocate for your care, don't you? And, and I think you know, sort of, there are there are definitely there are some practices where there are menopause not necessarily menopause specialists, but doctors who take a special interest. In, in menopause or it might be the practice nurse who takes a special interest so when you're making your appointment always ask um is there somebody in the practice um and i think the thing is it's, it's about approach isn't it you know sort of i think in the nice guidelines it says you know sort of that it should be a conversation it should be joint decision making mm-hmm. so i think You know, we've moved very much away from this idea that the doctor knows everything, the patient knows nothing. You know, every person, not just every woman, but as individuals, we know our own bodies, we know our own minds, we know when they're working well, and we know when something's wrong. And I think it's about being able to express that in a collaborative way. Um, But also if you are coming up against a brick wall, (laughs) I think it's about saying, well, could you refer me to a colleague or could you go away and speak to a colleague or could you contact the local menopause service, you know, the local menopause specialist, have a chat with them and come back to me? Because I don't think there's anything wrong with a doctor saying, actually, I'm not sure. Or mm-hmm. I don't know. I think I most think this of us would prefer for somebody to say
1: this. Absolutely, isn't my area. and I really admire.
0: I really admire when you know, kind of, when any professional says I don't know. You know, my stock in trade answer when somebody asks me I something I don't know is actually I don't know the answer to that question. But you know what? I'm going to go out and find out for you. Mm-hmm. I don't think there's any problem with that. Um, and there's nothing wrong also with asking your GP. I would if you could
1: see somebody else. Absolutely, being referred. No, absolutely. You're not going to offend anybody by asking.
0: No, no, not at all. So yeah, you know, I think there are lots of things we can do for ourselves as individuals, mm-hmm. um, but it does very much depend on the knowledge base of the person that you're seeing. Yeah,
1: definitely. So I think that's us. Is that a good to start say? to our? let our, us know if you'd our like menopause to journey <laughs> we have lots of topics i think we've got a list here of about 25 different things that yeah. we'd like to cover off across our podcasts but if there's anything in particular you particular you'd like to hear from us then obviously um just drop us a line on hello podcast at hotmail.com or you can contact us on our instagram page and um, just a note on that that we we're not going to advertise anything on our pages. No, absolutely um, even not. Even if we've used your products and think they're great, it's just something that both yeah. Diane and I have agreed that we. This is just purely us discussing everything and anything about menopause, um, and we just don't want to endorse anything.
0: Yeah, absolutely. I I think you know, sort of, it's nice to have somewhere where that isn't part of it.
1: Definitely, I agree. But I hope you all have a great week. And we'll be back next time. Thank you for listening. And see you soon. Bye.